0: Hello, church. Welcome to the last Week of our Game of Life message series. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm so glad that we get to interact with that last week of the Game of Life together. I want to say a uh, welcome to those of you who are watching online, those of you live at our Bettendorf campus, and all of you right here at Rock Island. I am so glad you're here. I believe God has some great things in store for us. In fact, we are going to move, uh, we're going to cover a lot of material today, so you're going to want to have your sermon note guides ready or whatever you're taking notes on, go ahead and get those prepared. But I'd also challenge you to have your connection card at the ready as well. Because I believe, as God has done throughout this series, that he's going to challenge many of us to some actionable next steps today. And when that happens, I want you to be ready to write down what that is, so that you can communicate that to those of us on the team here, and we can journey with you, we can connect you with people who will journey with you in those next steps, and we can pray for you too. So, I hope you're ready for all of that. Now, a few weeks ago, I had an early Monday morning appointment across town. It wasn't, it wasn't near uh, work where I would go every day. It wasn't near home. It was just kind of across town. I'd been there a couple times before, so I was somewhat familiar with where I needed to go, but before leaving that morning, I made sure that I had all of my things, that I had everything I would need for the day, and that I one more time checked the quick directions to the place where I had my appointment. So I, I looked at that, it was pretty simple, I got in the car, all of my stuff was there with me, and I drove that Monday morning to my destination. I got out of the car, got my things back, you know, with me, put my briefcase on my shoulder, closed the car, locked it up, walked over to the main entrance door and pulled on it, only to find out that it was locked. So I did what you do when you come up against a locked door. I reached into my pocket and I pulled out my office keys. And, And I put my office keys into this door, and when that satisfying click of the door unlocking happened, I realized I was not supposed to be at my office door, unlocking that door. My keys shouldn't have worked because the appointment that I had that morning was nowhere near where my office door should be. Somehow, despite the best intentions, despite forward thinking, despite planning and processing and preparing, I ended up at some point on the journey choosing a path that led me to work. The desire that I had didn't matter as much as the path that I had driven down. And if, if I were to think back, I could tell you when on that journey my mind slipped into autopilot and what turn I took that instead of going toward my original destination, ended up bringing me here to work. And I love being at work. I just wish it had dropped me off at Starbucks first. But, I think in life, there are those moments for us where we have planned, we have prepared, we have the best intentions, but somehow we end up at a destination not that we had intended, but where the road kind of took us. You see, our best intentions, our plans, and our desires don't matter as much as the path that we go down. That's so true for us in life when it comes to our relationships, to our families, to where we work. What we desire, what we try to pursue, and where we end up are sometimes very, very different. And we've been talking through the game of life, and in the game of life there are a few different paths you can choose leading to a couple of different destinations. Real life, of course, is a lot more uh, involved that seems that there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens or infinite possibilities of, of routes that we can take, all with myriad of destinations. And I wonder, how are we to know what path to drive down? How are we to know which route to go down? In life, we sometimes end up at an unintended destination, and when we think back far enough, we can go, oh, if only I had made a different turn back there today's reality would be different. The truth is we're not the first ones to struggle with how to how to discern and determine those next steps, those paths. We're not the only ones who have ever wondered how we can end up in the place that we actually desire and as we've been talking through the game of life, we've actually been following the story of Moses. This morning, we are looking at the at the last chapters of Moses' story, figuratively and literally. Moses, in his story for 120 years, has been pursuing one destination. Sometimes he's he's not been pursuing it well, but for 120 years, he's been pursuing one destination. For 40 of those, he has led well. He has pursued God and led the people of Israel toward that destination, the land of promise. And after 120 years, we're going to see today that, that he almost gets there. 120 years, and then he doesn't get to experience the destination he had in mind because of the path he had chosen. We're going to learn a lot more about that here. But first, it's really helpful for us to understand where we're at. We're in the book of Deuteronomy primarily today, so if you want to turn there, you can get there. Deuteronomy is kind of a fun word to say. It actually means second law. It's the second retelling of God's law for his people, and it really serves as Moses' last will and testament. Moses knows he's nearing the end of his life. And Moses knows that he is not going to enter into where the rest of the people are going, that a new generation has, has, rised, has risen up and is going to enter into the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so as he's preparing for his life to end, he is writing down his last will and testament for these people that he loves so much. This is what he wants them to know and understand. These are his final thoughts for them. So a new generation can thrive and succeed and walk down the path that they should go. And so what we need to understand about Deuteronomy and really the first five books of the Bible is at the very heart of what they're communicating. At the very core, there's this thread that runs through Deuteronomy, all the scriptures really. There's this thread that runs through, and it's the first fill-in on your outline if you're following along, and it's this. It's that the people of God are designed to pursue the purposes of God. That's at the very heartbeat of what Moses is communicating in Deuteronomy to the the people of Israel. They are the people of God. And he's communicating to them that as the people of God, they're designed to pursue the purposes of God. But that thought, that concept isn't just for those ancient people who are related to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When we enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we immediately become the people of God. And as the people of God, even you and I today need to understand that we are designed to pursue the purposes of God. It's, it's a pretty significant thought for us. It's going to form a lot of what we're looking at. And so throughout the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is inviting the people of Israel to choose the road of dependence, knowing that the road of dependence is the one that is going to lead them to the place of promise, that if they can pursue trust, if they can follow God first, that... As the people of God designed to pursue the purposes of God, they can only really do that if they walk down the road of dependence. But he also knows that the people of Israel, just like so many of us, that every now and again, some of us more than others, we slip into autopilot. And the intended destination is not where we end up because we take a different path, the path of independence. And the path of independence leads us not to the place of promise and fulfillment and purpose, but it leads us to the place of wandering, of wilderness, and of challenge. And so Moses' heart for the people of Israel and for us here today is the reminder that as the people of God, they are designed to pursue the purposes of God, that this is God's great desire and design for them. That God wants us to experience his purpose more than we want it. That's, that's a phenomenal truth for us. He walks that through in, very, in, in a bunch of different ways in the book of Deuteronomy. But one of the things we see in that is not only are the people of God designed to pursue the purposes of God, but when it comes to the purposes of God, the kingdom purpose of God is always advancing. We, we don't ever arrive at the culmination of God's purpose in this life. We, the kingdom of God, the kingdom purpose of God is always advancing, always moving forward, always, always, always moving. And for those of us who desire comfort more than adventure, we find ourselves slipping over into the path of independence because we know that route so well because it feels good, because it's what we know. And though the cost may be not experiencing the purpose of God and the fulfillment of life, at least today, at least now, at least here, it's comfortable and known. But as we've shared before, we can't have comfort and adventure at the same time. The adventurous path is the path of dependence that moves us into God's very best. The kingdom purpose of God is always advancing. Here's how Moses communicates that to the people of Israel. The very last words that he actually speaks to them. There's a a whole other chapter in the book of Deuteronomy, but the very last words of Moses to the people of Israel. It's like he's saying, this is is it. This is what this has all been building up to. This is what you need to hear. I'm not going to get to share another thing with you. You need to understand this. As the people of God pursuing the purpose of God, you have to get this and here's what he shares with them blessed are you Israel who is like you a people saved by the Lord it's a rhetorical question there's nobody who is like you a people saved by the Lord rescued from slavery where the God where God goes before you and fights for you there's no one else like you he is your shield and helper and your glorious sword Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. At the very heart of this, the the concept here is the idea of God's purposes through his people advancing. That, That they will go as God goes before them. And that even those who stand in opposition to the purposes of God, God will overcome that and his people will stand on their heights overseeing what he has. It's a phenomenal concept, but that's not the only place we see it in Scripture. In fact, later on in, in Scripture, in the book of Isaiah, we hear that of the, of the increase of his peace and of God's government, there will be no end. It's always advancing, always increasing, always moving forward, and as followers of Jesus, you are designed to pursue his purpose, that purpose which is always advancing. And always moving forward. Now, these two concepts that kind of form the the foundational thought for what we're going to be trucking through today. These two ideas that we are, as the people of God, are designed to pursue the purposes of God, and that the kingdom purpose of God is always advancing, form the foundation for what Moses wants to leave behind. And that's why what we bump into next in Moses' story, kind of. Can catch us off guard a little bit. It it seems surprising. Moses, at this point in the story, knows he's about to die. He has lived 120 years, the last 40 of them, with great purpose. Living as one of the greatest leaders in history. His story, by the way, just as an aside, is a great reminder that as long as we have breath, we have purpose. You have not yet outlived God's purpose for you. Moses' story reminds us of that. And he, he's led the people through impossible circumstance and seen God deliver every time. A people rescued from slavery, from their, saved from their enemies. They've been supernaturally victorious. And Moses is described in one place as a person who is so close to God that he speaks with God as one speaks with a close friend. There's one story in the scriptures, I love this, where Moses has been interacting with God so closely. They've been talking so much, and God has revealed his glory to Moses so that when Moses leaves that meeting with God, he comes down the mountain and interacts with the people. The people freak out because Moses has God's glory on his face. And his face is shining brightly. It freaks them out so much that they ask him if he could please wear a veil as long as he's interacting with them. That's how tight, that's how close Moses is with God. And finally, finally, the people are about to enter into the land God has promised generations ago. And then Moses climbs atop a mountain at 120 years old. He climbs up on top of a mountain. At 120 years old, he climbs on top of a mountain. I, I can't fathom that. I just can't do it. I don't think I could climb a mountain right now. At 120 years old, he climbs on top of a mountain and he overlooks all of the land that God has promised to his people. Uh, the, the land of promise, the land that is to be theirs at the end of the road of dependence. And this is what we see. The Lord said to Moses, as he's there on the mountain, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross into it. Bummer. That's a little disappointing, right? In order to understand what's happening, we've got to to go back earlier in the story. But what I believe we see playing out here is a consequence of independence. And it highlights the next truth that we're looking at. And it's this, that living in independence positions us to oppose God's purpose. We're going to see how that plays out here in Moses' life. But we need to understand this. That... Living in independence isn't just an autopilot response for us. It's not just the path we kind of naturally go down. It's it's not that it's okay but not as good as living in the path of dependence. No, no. When we live into independence, we actually are positioned to oppose God's purpose. And that's a problem. Because remember... The people of God are designed to pursue the purposes of God and God's purposes are always advancing. So this is a problem. Here's here's a little bit of how we see that play out in Moses' life. In Numbers chapter 20, the Israelites have finally made it to the area of the promised land and they send in their spies. Pastor Sean talked about this last week. Ten of the twelve spies come back And they are afraid and they say, we can't do it. We can't go in there. And God tells them that because they chose the road of independence after their 40 days of exploring the land, they would now have 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. It's a tough, tough moment. That's already happened by the time we get to Numbers 20. The people have been wandering with God for years and years. They've seen him provide miraculously. They have seen bread literally from heaven fall on the ground like dew every morning to provide their every need. They've never had to replace their shoes or their clothes as they have walked. They've always had exactly what they needed whenever they needed it. And God often provided that stuff supernaturally, miraculously. They're in the desert. The desert is arid and they're getting thirsty. They don't have enough water. They don't have enough water for their, themselves, much less their livestock. So they repeat their pattern of independence. And they ask Moses why he brought them out into the desert. Was it to kill us? Didn't we have a lot of water back in Egypt, Moses? Don't you know what you're doing, Moses? This is what happens next. The Lord said to Moses... Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. Whoa. Are you tracking this? Speak to a rock, and out of it water will flow. This is phenomenal. It's amazing. You will bring water Out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. Now I want you, before you turn the page, underline just as he commanded him. Circle it. Follow. This is an important piece. Everything is good so far. Then the story continues. He, Moses and Aaron, gathered the assembly together in the front of the rock, and Moses said to them... uh Uh-oh. He wasn't supposed to said to them. He was supposed to said to the rock, right? Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Now, if you're following along, circle the we on there. Must we bring you water out of this rock? That sounds a lot like independence to me. You want us to do this? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron... Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Because you did not trust, because you did not obey, because you see trust and obedience, they are the same thing. Because you did not depend on me, you will not lead these people into the wilderness what happened in that moment when moses chose to speak to the people and strike the rock he moved out of the way of the ro- he moved out of the road of dependence and chose instead the way of independence out of his own pride he acted meanwhile the people of israel are driving down this road pretty quick And out of their own fear, demanding something be done. I think in that moment, what God desired to do, what he wanted to see done, as Moses proclaimed his holiness by being obedient, by trusting in that moment, was to recalibrate the people on this side to move over here. It's interesting, in life, so many times when we try to move people to where we think they should be, we think we have to come at it from the other side. When really, all we have to do is Drive the path of obedience. Drive the path of dependence. Live in a place of trust. And call them to more. So the question for me is, if Moses, Moses, Moses the guy who talked with God like one talks to a friend, Moses the guy with a hundred watt faith, if Moses found himself moving to a place of autopilot and driving down the wrong path toward the wrong destination. What, what can you and I do? How can, how, how can we learn from that so that we don't make the same mistake? I believe one of the things that we discover in this is that Moses, from that time on, never again lives into independence. He made a pretty quick detour, actually. Once he got on the wrong road, God corrected him, and Moses quickly gets back onto the path of dependence. He continues to walk down that road. He insists on the path of dependence, even when he finds that God won't let him enter the land he's been pursuing for 120 years. And in that moment, I think we learn a lot about what it means to finish well. Never again does Moses choose independence. But more than that, he positions his protege, Joshua, the one who will lead the people, to continue choosing dependence. And in all of this, Moses recognized something that that we need to understand. As we seek to be the people of God, pursuing the purposes of God, as we try to discern what it looks like to walk the right path toward the right destination, Moses understood this truth. And it's that what we impart is far more significant than what we accumulate. What we impart, what we give, what we leave behind, our legacy is far more important than what we gather and accumulate for ourselves. In the game of life, the whole point of the game is to end up at either millionaire estates or countryside acres, count all of your money and your cards, and the person who accumulated the most wins. You celebrate the winner, and then you pack up the game and you go about your day in real life, it doesn't quite work out that way. Because when when our time on earth is done, there are those in the path behind us continuing their journey. When our time on earth is done, there are those on the path behind us who are continuing in their journey. And what we have to offer, part of finishing well, is choosing to impart what matters most. And I think what Moses knew is that as Joshua was getting ready to enter into a new land, in a new season, in a new position of leadership with these people, that he would need a new spirit. So much so that this is what we see how how it kind of flows out of this. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to Joshua and did what the Lord had commanded Moses for Joshua. Despite knowing that that his trajectory had shifted, Moses chooses to impart the spirit of wisdom to Joshua because of of the understanding that Joshua is still walking the path behind him. That spirit would allow Joshua and Israel to pursue full dependence. Dependence. Moses finishing well is seen in what he imparted. He didn't, he didn't just break an old pattern of independence in doing this. He didn't just break an old pattern, but he actually started a new pattern of full dependence for those around him. For Joshua and the Israelites. But what does that mean for us? So what? You know, we can make the mistake of coming into this place, of of hearing the stories of the past and leaving without anything being different in us or in the way that we live. And if that's the case, then we've really just wasted our time. So I think it begs the question for us out of this, where am I positioned to establish new patterns of dependence? Where am I positioned to establish new patterns of dependence? We saw that that Moses did that for the people of Israel and for Joshua. The only way to pursue God's purpose is to live, to walk, to drive the road of dependence. You will never discover God's purpose at the end of the road of independence. You only discover your own purposes there. Moses modeled this. Joshua continued the cycle. The people of Israel for a generation pursued that. But then eventually things devolved as people tried in their own strength and in their own wisdom. And for us it highlights uh, a truth in this. And it's that living into a new season will require the spirit of wisdom. Remaining on the road of dependence seems impossible on our own. Remember, even Moses couldn't do it. That's because it is impossible on our own. But God, in his great love for us, offers us something more. He offers us Jesus, he offers us the spirit of wisdom. I love the way that the wisest man who ever lived said this. He said, The beginning of wisdom is this. You ready? Ready for the secret to get wisdom? Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. I like to think Solomon was a dad at this point because that's a very dad proverb right there, right? You want wisdom? Go get it. But at the heart of it, at the heart of it is this idea that wisdom is something to pursue as we pursue the purposes of God. But God doesn't ask us to do that on our own. He doesn't leave us to our own devices, knowing that our own devices lead us down the path of independence. It's not accidental that Joshua entered into a new land in a new season and received that spirit of wisdom. We enter into new seasons all the time where we need a spirit of wisdom in our families, in our own lives as we, as we find ourselves moving into a, a different stage of life, when things at work are challenging, in our nation as we move toward a, a new election season. And when we enter into those new seasons, we need the spirit of wisdom. What I love about who God is, is that he offers his spirit freely. Freely. We are designed to pursue God's purpose but we're also born broken and in our own broken state we'll pursue anything else by way of independence. God promised this to us and to the people of Israel, those same people who eventually would pursue independence on their own so much so that God would actually remove them from the land of promise and place them in exile so they would cry out to him once more And seek him once more in dependence. This is what he says to them and to us. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, I will move you, I will give you the desire and the ability and the drive to walk consistently down the path of dependence. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I love this promise. It is fulfilled in Jesus. So I don't know the story of your life but I bet there are moments there are seasons there, maybe you're in the middle of one right now where you find yourself headed you know you're headed for a destination you didn't intend or maybe you know you're driving down the wrong path hoping that somehow it will end up in the destination you want you don't know how to change you don't know how to shift that And I'd encourage you even today, right now, ask Jesus to be the one who forgives you and leads you, who places his spirit within you. And you will find that now you have access to him as never before. You can live with purpose, pursuing God's purpose as never before because you're the people of God. Maybe you've done that. My my invitation to you in this, I think it's God's invitation to us, is that we would ask him to fill us to overflowing with the spirit he promises. You know, I deeply believe, because I believe this is what scripture says to us about God's desire for us, is that God yearns for us more than we could ever imagine. And he longs for you and me to walk in the right path to walk in the path of dependence far more than we desire that for ourselves. He wants that for us. So he gives us his spirit. And when he does that, we are actually positioned to desire the things of the kingdom of God more than we desire anything else. He can right our broken heart. And he desires to do that in us. So I don't know, maybe those are your next steps. You can indicate that on your connection card. Another question I have is, are are you trying to walk this? Are you trying to drive this path alone? That's going to be a thing for you. We were created for community. And as a community, we can pursue God's purposes together. If you're not in a group, I challenge you, get in a group, live linked with those who follow Jesus, and together you will go further. Together you will experience more and more of his purpose for you. The detours of yesterday do not have to be the path we take today. From this day, things can be different. God desires that for you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I love your word. Thank you so much for what you show us about your desire for us to live in dependence on you. God, I know it's, it, it can be scary for some of us. W- would you show us and remind us that, that you are trustworthy, that you are good and true. Lord, I know there are those right now who are, who are struggling with what it would mean to pursue you, to follow you, to be made new by you. I pray for your courage. Lord, as we think of of what's ahead of us in our world, in our personal lives, we are so aware we need your spirit. I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom, that you would show us what it is to live for you as never before, as the people of God, filled by the Spirit of God, pursuing the mission of God. And that in all of those things, you would receive glory and honor. You're so good to us. God, we want to love you more. Would you show us how to do that even today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.